Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. Give you anything that will cost me nothing. And uh, this is what we're going to be dealing with this morning. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 12 of the Gospel of Mark. And by the way, I believe we have Doug's sister with us here this morning. And it's nice to have you with us. Praise God. What is her name, Doug? Rosela? Rochelle. Rochelle, nice to have you with us. Praise God. And let's not forget also, while you're turning your Bibles to Mark, chapter 12, let's not forget... Uh, next Saturday morning, we want to see all the fathers and sons. We want to see all the men, all the men here. And bring your sons, and it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful time together. If you don't have a son, why don't you adopt one? Yeah, get someone else that maybe may not have a dad and adopt that, that child for that day and bring that child and come and be here with us next Saturday morning. And then also on Sunday, next Sunday, let's not forget, it's what? Father's Day next Sunday. We want to see this place packed out. <coughs> well, it's packed out even now, just about almost, but we want to really see it packed out in the two services. And then also uh, next Sunday evening, we will not be having a service. We're going to be going, we're going to be having a Father's Day picnic. And we're going to be at the park, and we'll be having also... Uh, We'll be having directions. How to get. It's going to be right here in La Puente, the same park we went to the last time, and it's going to be beautiful. So we're going to be having a tremendous time next Sunday. Tonight, tonight we have a Holy Ghost preacher. We have a Holy Ghost preacher. We have Brother Reynolds Sanchez that's going to be preaching, preaching tonight. And Brother Reynolds, man, he, he, he blessed us at our uh, men's... Uh, men's retreat you know it was just beautiful what god did so tonight he's going to be ministering and i encourage you to come on out and become expecting a miracle amen this morning mark chapter 12 beginning in verse 38 of mark chapter 12 and i want you to give me your undivided attention this morning mark chapter 12 beginning in verse 38 then he said to them in his teaching, these are the words of Jesus. Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Then in verse 41, begins to talk about the widow's might. And he says, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants, and he called his disciples to him and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty 
put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, this morning, I pray that you speak to us in a very direct way. For we know that it's your divine word that is able to have life-changing effect upon our lives. We need your Holy Ghost. We need your Holy Spirit to open up our minds and to open up our understandings. Lord Jesus, take full and complete control of this service. And we will be careful to give you all the praise and the glory, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, we're dealing in an area that we call faith. Faith. If ever I felt that our church needed faith, it is in this day and hour that we're living in. This is why I believe because of what God wants to do through our congregation and through all of our people, this is why God is always challenging us to step out and to believe and to move out in faith, putting our trust in God. Whenever God wants to use a person, he will always challenge his faith, trying to develop that faith, that, that trust and confidence in God. And I believe with all of my heart that this is also part of faith, faith development that has taken place within our lives. This is going to tell us a lot. This building program that we're involved in, the project of the balcony, I believe by the time we finish, we're going to have a, a, a beautiful spiritual experience. I believe God is going to elevate us into a new dimension of faith where we're able to put our confidence and trust in Him. Now, the enemy always comes to buffet us. He always will come to buffet God's children. He will come against God's children. And the only way that we could withstand the fiery dots of the enemy, the only way that we could come against Satan is not by our own strength, but only through the might and power of Jesus Christ. When we're able to stand and put our confidence in him, and that only comes through faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. There are many sicknesses, people that are going through sicknesses in our congregation. We need to come against those sicknesses. And the only way we come against those sicknesses is also by faith. Putting our faith in God, that God is our healer. Those that are going through financial crisis and are buffeted by Satan, and Satan tries to paralyze your finances and your funds. Again, we need to step out. As the Bible says, we need to step out and also believe that God is not only our healer, but also God is our provider as well. He cares about us, and we're able to put our trust and confidence in Him. So faith. Faith in God is what moves mountains. And here in the portion of Scripture that we have read, we find that Jesus was teaching. And even the previous verses, 
even before verse 38, he was teaching. His ministry of teaching. Now you notice that instead of teaching in the temple, he was teaching outside of the temple. And then suddenly he came by the temple, and after he, he finished teaching, he extended his teaching ministry even more in the temple area. And he continues his teaching by an illustration from the temple offering. Now, if you ever want to see discipleship in action, we're able to take uh, the example of Jesus. He, was, he sat by the temple offering, and as he watched the people parade and the donors come and brought their offerings and dropped it into the treasury, in this uh, passage of scripture, Jesus brings out some basic principles because he went ahead and took the opportunity of the occasion to be able to bring some spiritual principles and teach them to his disciples. And this scripture, we're able to find some spiritual principles that I believe will totally spiritually revolutionize our lives. It is the word of God that gives us faith. Faith cometh by hearing the Word of God. As we hear God's Word, but it's not only good enough in hearing God's Word, but we must act upon the Word of God. Now, there are some principles that we find here in God's Word that I would like to bring out. First of all, principle number one, and he was teaching this and applying this to his disciples as he saw this widow woman. She came... And she brought her offering and dropped it into the treasury of the temple. And Jesus went ahead and, and took notice. And the Bible says that she gave about the equivalent of one penny. One penny. And there were many that were bringing in all different kinds of offerings. In fact, there were rich people that were bringing offerings. But Jesus was very much impressed by what this woman gave. And the first spiritual principle that we find in this portion of Scripture is that our giving does not go unnoticed before God. He took notice of what this widow woman, the widow woman, gave. And there's a common notion that among believers that there is a, a, a difference between God's eyes, in other words, in God's eyes, that there's a difference between the material and the spiritual. Sometimes we look at the material like it's not spiritual. And we think of everything else that we do when we think about our prayer life, that is spiritual. We think about our Bible reading, that is spiritual. And then when it comes to our giving, to our tithing, to our giving of our finances... We don't put it in the same category as we put all these other things. But here we find that, that God also uh, scrutinizes our giving. He's also concerned. He takes notice how much we give in the offering. He takes notice how much we give. He takes notice about our checkbook. He also is very concerned not only about all those other areas of our lives, but he's also concerned about the level of giving, how much we give to him of our finances and how much of our finances have been committed to him. So 
Jesus exposed this error of this thinking when he deliberately and carefully observed the gift that the people were placing in the treasury. Now you notice that the Bible says over here, now Jesus said opposite the treasury, and look what it says, and saw how the people put money into the treasury. He observed every gift that the people were placing and giving into the offering. He still carries this observation today. Not only did he do it then, we find it as an example within the Word of God that he sat down and he looked and he watched everybody as they gave their offering. But he's also observing today, and we have to recognize this. What you gave this morning, God took notice. It did not go unnoticed before God. Every time you take that envelope, it doesn't go unnoticed before God. He takes notice in everything that you do in the service of God. When we come to worship Him every Sunday morning, He takes notice of everything that we do. He takes notice of it. So, not only did He observe that they were giving and how much they were giving, but also He still also observes today how much we give. And as Christians... Our giving, as Christian stewards, we must, we must recognize that our money management, our tithes, and our offerings are noticed by God, and there is an accountability that we have before God. See, God is, takes notice as far as how we manage our finances. He watches, because He's the provider. He is the one that provides. He is the one that we need to depend on. Not only for the healing of our sicknesses, but also the provision of our finances. So he takes notice of how we manage our finances. He also takes notice of how we tithe and also takes notice concerning our offerings. And then he holds us accountable. There's an accountability before God how we use our finances. And over and over in the Word of God, we find that it deals in the area of material things and deals in the area of finances because there's account accountability that we have before God. You know, the Bible talks about that we are accountable for even the deeds in the body. And you say, well, this is my body. He says, well, that body's been laid on the altar of sacrifice for me. So what you do in the body, you're held accountable. And if we're held accountable what we do in our body, then we're also held accountable concerning our finances as well. Now, Jesus not only noted how much the people gave, but also he also noted the spirit and the motivation that was behind the gift. Now, you notice it's not just coming and giving, but what Jesus took notice in this account that we have recorded in God's Word, he didn't only take notice about the amount that they gave, but he also took notice of the motivation and the spirit in which they gave. And the Bible says that the rich were putting in large amounts. And he took notice of that. They were putting in large amounts. Now anybody would have been impressed by these rich people bringing in the large amount. Maybe you could turn this low because I'm getting the radio. It was very, anybody else would have been impressed by the amount the people brought, the rich people brought, and bringing in big amounts of money. In fact, Jesus said 
that they were rich people. The rich people came and brought uh, big offerings and big amount of, 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 of money, and they dropped it into the treasury. But not only was Jesus looking at the amount, but he was looking behind that. He was looking at the motivation, and he was looking at the spirit in which they gave. You see, there's a difference between what the poor widow woman gave and the rich people gave. There was a difference in, in finances, the amount of money. The rich, rich people came with a large sum of money and dropped it into the treasury. And the Bible tells us very clearly that this poor widow, she came with uh, an offering that was less than a penny, less than a cent. If you imagine coming with a, an offering that's less than a penny and all these rich people coming and bringing large amounts of, of money and, and drop it, dropping it into the offering. And Jesus did not only take notice of the amount, but he took also notice of the motivation behind it. You see, the rich were putting in the large amounts and they were actually putting in their surplus out of their finances, financial leftovers, and none of them gave sacrificially. They were putting in what did not hurt them. They were putting in into the offering what they could afford. They were bringing their surplus and financial leftovers and giving it to God. And he took notice of that. He says they have much. And as far as in accordance with what they have, they're giving very little. But this little woman... She came, and in contrast, the widow, out of her poverty, the Bible says. Now hear me again. Out of her poverty, put in all that she owned. There was a difference between these two. She gave sacrificially to God because of her love for God. She gave something that actually cost her something. She gave all that she had, just like that song says. I won't give you anything if it's not going to cost me something. I want it to hurt. I want sacrifice to be involved in everything that I do for God. God loves when we come to him with a sacrificial heart. God loves when we come to him with a sacrificial offering. But also even put it in terms of praise. Sometimes you don't feel like praising God. Sunday morning you could come and not even feel like praising God, but how beautiful it is when you say, I love him anyhow. I don't go by my feelings, but even though I feel terrible, I'm still going to praise him anyhow. Sacrificial praises unto God. The sacrifice of praise. Sacrifice in our giving towards God. So our stewardship is observed by God. Watched by God, he knows our heart, our bank account. He knows our bank account. He knows what you gave this morning. He knows what you gave. He takes notice of what you gave this morning. He takes notice if you took that envelope and you put it in your pocket. He takes notice if you real, uh, instead of uh, 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 real, you know, instead of giving carefully, you took out the first bill that was in your pocket and just put it into the envelope and, and then put it in that offering basket. He knows exactly what we have given this morning. 
So he knows our bank account, and he knows the spirit in which we gave and the motivation that was behind it. Do we give like this widow an expression of our gratitude for what God has done for us? Is this the way we gave this morning? Did we give sacrificially? Did we give when? Because it hurt us because of our love and gratitude that we have for Jesus. Or did we just give loose, in a very loose manner, just, well, whatever, that doesn't matter anyhow. God understands. God is watching. God takes notice in everything we give. There's a story about a preacher that was going to minister on tithing. He was going to minister on finances. And just to make it part of his sermon, when the ushers went and began to receive the offering, he went and he followed the ushers. As the ushers went and passed the offering plate, he went and he was looked at everybody. And took a look what they gave. Imagine if we if we did that today, if you know this is a bigger church, so I can't get everybody at the same time. But imagine if we put our ministers and we had them all in every section, and as soon as the offering plate was being passed, they went out and they looked, they looked at you and you know, remember the cross and the switchblade? Do something like the cross and the switchblade. Cross and the switchblade, those ex gang members went and they passed the offering. A guy tried to put a quarter in. He said, uh, 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 more. Put a dollar in. No, what do you have in your wallet? Made the guy empty out his whole wallet. See. But this preacher went and did this. He went out and he, he didn't tell them how much to give, but he took a look and he noticed what everybody was given. Now you could imagine the reaction. You could also the, imagine the, the reaction of our congregation if we had our, our, our ministers go and take notice of everyone as they gave in the offering. Well, I want you to know that, uh, that, that even though God, the preacher, may have done it one Sunday, but God does what the preacher did, only he does it every Sunday. Instead of just one Sunday... Every Sunday, you can imagine that God, as you are giving of your tithes and your offering, God is looking over your shoulder and taking notice in everything that you're giving unto him. He took notice how much this woman gave. And we need to remember that our giving those, uh, does not go unnoticed before God. Now, secondly, the second spiritual lesson that he also shared with his disciples, and we find in this passage, is that our giving or our stewardship does not go unevaluated. Not only does he take notice of how much we give, but he also evaluates and makes an evaluation. Jesus said, after his evaluation, that the poor widow gave more than all the other donors combined. It doesn't say that she gave more than, than some or than a few individual donors. But it says that even though they gave their large amounts of money and many of them were giving big size gifts, 
He says that she gave more than not one or two, but all of them combined. Can you imagine that? How he evaluated her? And all these people coming, of all those people that came that day, she gave the very least as far as in, in numbers. She gave a penny when they were coming and bringing large amounts of money. But because of what was behind it, because of what motivated her, because of that spirit of sacrifice that she had on the inside, the Bible says, Jesus says in evaluation, he gave, she gave more than all of them put combined together. In other words, you could take all the money that they gave and, and add it up, and she gave more than all of them combined. Because the evaluation of Jesus is not based on the size of the gift. It's based on the giver's motive and capacity to give. This is why I want you to understand how much you give is very important before the presence of God. It is not something to do it in a very loose way, but how much we give, whether we are faithful to our pledge, it is very important before the eyes of God. The widow gave, gave the smallest offering Jesus saw that day. In fact, that was the smallest offering that he saw that day. But to her, the cost of the offering was very great. She gave all that she had. All of the others gave her their surplus and leftover. She gave all she had. It was a gift of sacrifice that she gave to God. And God wants us to learn to depend upon him. This is the way we learn to depend upon him. It took faith what she did. For the others, they gave her the surplus. They gave her the leftovers that they had. That doesn't take faith. It doesn't take faith to always give what you could afford. If you always give what you could afford, it doesn't take an action of it doesn't take an act of God. I mean you're giving what you could afford. This is what they did. What takes an act of God and what takes stepping out in faith is when you give what you can't afford. And this is exactly what this woman did. This woman didn't know where, where her next meal would come from. She may have had children at home who depended on her for food and clothing. Yet she gave it all she had, trusting him to provide for her and her family. She put her trust confidence in God, she stepped out in faith, trusting and believing God. And faith always moves the hand of God. Always faith brings God into action. This reminds me, her faith was like the, the widow of Sarapath that we have recorded in 1 Kings, and I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 17 of 1 Kings. When you have it, say amen. I want you to follow with me in the word. I believe that, in fact, I think I'm going to continue to preach on faith. Continue to preach on faith. I'm, it's not so much finances, but it's what's behind it. What's behind it is the the stepping out of in faith, believing and trusting God. And if we could believe God for finances, we could believe God for anything. We could believe God for the salvation of our unsaved family. We could believe God for healing. We could believe God for impossible things. And God will begin to move. We begin to move the hand of God. 
Now, in 1 Kings chapter 17, let's begin in verse 1. This is an exciting story. Again, this is a story of faith. It says in chapter 17, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and high by the brook Sherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Now, can you imagine that? Imagine if, if Jesus told you that. Go to the desert. Go by the brook. Don't worry about it. Leave your bank account. Leave all. and Just go ahead and trust me. And I've commanded the ravens to feed you. It's just like Jesus, just like God. I commanded. You notice that? I commanded. I've already spoken. I've already authorized the ravens to feed you. So when he went and did according, notice that? When he went and did according to the word of the Lord, he did according to the word of the Lord. That's what moves the hand of God. That's what brings the miraculous. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And then it says, And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Could you imagine that scene, the ravens coming, bringing him bread and meat in the morning, and then also in the evening as well? They were his waiters, the ravens. And then it says in verse 7, and it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying again, Arise and go to Sarapath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded. Again, what does he say? I have commanded. Now, first it was ravens that he used to feed the prophet. And now he says, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Seraphath. Now, this widow did not realize what was going to happen. When he says, I've commanded, what he was saying, I have a vessel. And I believe that this vessel is going to be a yielded vessel unto me. You're listening to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni, your weekly podcast. I know you're enjoying today's message. We would love to hear how these podcasts are blessing your life. Connect with us today at SonnyArgonzoni.org. To me. So he says, I've commanded a widow to provide for you. So he arose and went to Sarapath. And when he... Looks like God had not spoken to her. God had spoken to the prophet. But God had not spoken to her, but God was doing a work within those, this widow's life. And then she said, look what she said, as the Lord God lives, I'm not lying to you, she said. I do not have bread, only a handful of flour and a bin, a little oil in a jar. And I see I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and my sons, that we may eat it and die. Well, she actually said, all I have is my last meal. There's a famine. I don't know if you are aware that there is a famine in the land. And all I have is my last meal. And all I have is enough for myself and my son. And Elijah said to her, listen to what Elijah. Now again, 
there's the act of faith that has to take place. Before the blessing, before you move the hand of God, there must be faith in action. Before God would provide and make the divine provision, someone had to move in faith. It was this woman that was being challenged. Elijah said to her, do not fear. Now, why did he say do not fear? Because there's a tendency to fear. Every time that you have to step out in faith into the unknown, believing God, there's always that tendency to fear because there's always that doubt that it's going to grip us. And many of us have been paralyzed because of doubt. Many of us have been paralyzed where we have not been able to receive our healing. We have not been able to receive provision for our finances because every time God tells us to act and every time God tells us to move, fear grips us. Whenever God says be faithful and and give what you have promised, fear grips you. Then you're dominated by fear instead of trusting God and not trusting your feelings. So this woman, naturally, when he says do not fear, is because there was a tendency to fear. He says, do not fear, go and do as you have said. But then he says, but bring me a small cake from it first. Go and do what you have said. Prepare that meal. But bring it first to me and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your sons. Isn't it just like God when he says about the tithes? In other words, first fruit. Not, not what you have left over, not the leftovers, not the surplus. But he says, as soon as you get paid, take the first fruit, take from the top and say, this belongs to God. Even though it seems in the natural that it's not going to stretch, this belongs to God. Now, this woman could have said, well, I can't afford it. I told you I don't have enough for you and for myself and for my son. But over here, the prophet Elijah told her, bring it to me first. Feed me first, and don't worry about it. God's going to take care of business. And what does she do? Man, this woman had faith. He says, for this says the Lord, and then he gives the promise. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Now, always there has to be a promise. We don't do things foolishly. If we're going to step out, we must step out on God's word. If there's not a promise concerning God's word, then don't step out. But then he gives her the promise. says, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour should not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days, and the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. So what happened? There was a miraculous provision that took place. She moved the hand of God because she was able to act in faith, believing and trusting. Thus saith the Lord. And how many scriptures do we have in the Word of God concerning that? Let's open up the Word to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And follow with me because this is going to transform your life. 
Instead of being a codo, something's going to happen to you. In English, instead of being a Meisner, something's going to happen to you. Matthew chapter 6. Notice what it says in verse 19. Let's take verse 19 and it says, Matthew chapter 6. You have it? Say amen if you have it. Do not lay up treasure, do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know why your heart is not in church? You know why you don't care about what happens here? Because your finances are not here. This is a proven fact. You know, I'm going to talk about my wife. But I want to bring it out. Should I? Yeah, I'll bring it out. I'll just bring it out. I've, she's been on a lot of diets. The touchy area, isn't it? But I noticed that this diet she's taking real serious. And you know why she's taking this diet serious? Is because she had to shell out bucks. She got involved in some program. I even forget the name of the program, but she got involved that she had to pay some money. And every time she gets tempted to break that diet, she says, wait a minute, I have too much invested in it. There's that commitment because of the finances, there's an investment that has been made. It cost her something. If it didn't cost her anything, very easily it would have been easy to break it. And the very same way, if Christianity doesn't cost you nothing, then Christianity doesn't have an effect upon your life. If, if you come to church and you don't sacrifice and you don't invest within the kingdom of God, there is no interest in the things of God. But where your finances is, there will your heart be also. So when you invest of your finances, you want... God's kingdom to go forward and God's kingdom to prosper. You're concerned about what happens within the house of God. So, over here it says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. And it says you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't have two gods. You can't have money your God and also God be your God. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Listen to what he says. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat. Imagine that, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and body more than clothing. Then he says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap and gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you by wearing can anyone keep it? To a statue, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, for they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these. Now if God so clothe the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And then he says, O ye of little faith. You notice? O ye of little faith. Therefore, he says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Uh, isn't that what we say? How am I going to eat, man? If I give to that church, how am I going to eat? See? Don't worry, what, what shall we eat? Or what shall, don't say what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? 
For after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He knows what we need. He knows our everyday needs. But then he goes, and this is the key verse here, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. In other words, put God first within your life. And as you put God first within your life, all these things shall be added unto you when you put him first. Okay. Let's also, and we'll conclude with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We find another example that we have here in God's word concerning giving, concerning trusting God. In chapter 8 and verse 1, when you have it, say amen. You know, this is always touchy when you speak. Why is it that people get touchy when you speak about money? Oh? Money. Always money. Money, my pocketbook. It looks like somebody's got your hand in your pocket, you know. Listen, money is spiritual. This is a, a spiritual, this is one of the most spiritual subjects that we could speak about. We're speaking about, it's not, it's not the, the, the thing of money. God doesn't need your money. You need to give to God. God doesn't need your money because God wants you to teach you faith. What we need is not the money. Even if you didn't give, God still supplies the need. God, in a miraculous way, if you don't give from here, if you don't give the people in church, the people from outside, he's even able to raise up sinners to give to the work of God. But it benefits us because it establishes our faith. Our faith is extended. Our faith grows. when We're able to trust them also in our finances. So, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, let's read in verse 1, we have again sacrificial giving. And again, it's like the, the, woman, the widow of Sarapath. It says over here, but this was a church. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now let me give you the background. Listen to me for a moment. We find here that the Apostle Paul, what he was doing was that he's dealing with the Corinthians. Now, the Corinthians had a problem. And the problem that the Corinthians had was, is a problem that many churches have today. There are many churches that have not learned the principles of giving. Many churches are like that. Hopefully, our church is not like that. But the Corinthians had that problem. And the ap Apostle Paul, he was concerned about giving them the whole counsel of the Word of God. And he said, man, they have excelled in everything else but they lack in this principle and they lack in the area of giving of their finances. So what he does, he uses as an example, just like Jesus used this widow woman, he uses as an example the churches of Macedonia. And he begins to testify to the Corinthians and tell them about the grace that was bestowed on the churches of Macedonia and how they gave. And he uses them as an example. Now listen to what he says. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And now he says that in great trial of affliction and in abundance of joy and their deep, notice what he says, they were in affliction and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. 
For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, notice that, according to the ability, he says, and then he says, yes, and then he says, even beyond their ability. Now, what happens when you're given beyond your ability? You're giving what? By what? Say it, you're giving by what? If you're giving by your ability, you're not giving faith in faith. But he says they gave not only in their ability, but even beyond their ability, they gave freely and willingly imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. And then he goes on and he says, For we urge Titus. Now Titus was the pastor at that time. Titus was the minister in charge of the Corinthians. And he says to them, We urge Titus that as he has begun so he would also complete this grace in you as well. So he says to them, look. He says there's a need. There was a need in the Jerusalem church, and there was a famine. And everybody was contributing to the Jerusalem church. And what happened was that a year ago, the Corinthians had made a pledge. Hear me now. I think this will identify with some of you. They made a pledge. You know, it's easy to make pledges. Isn't it easy to make a pledge? You get touched, emotional, especially if there's a powerful emotional message. It hits your emotions. Oh, give a thousand. Oh, give two thousand. Oh, give five thousand. But what happens after that? Then there's the performing of it, isn't it, huh? Then you have to put up. And when you have to put up, that's when it gets rough. That's when... It distinguishes your priorities. Because then you have to, and, and then you got an adversary, the devil. You know what the devil does all the time? The devil's going to put this before you and do this and bring sickness and do everything so that he can handcuff your finances and so that you will not be faithful to God. Because he knows that if you begin to learn the principles of faith, then you have him defeated. As long as he can keep you in doubt, he's going to slap you around and take advantage of you. But once you begin to learn who you are and the God that you're serving and begin to learn the principles of faith and what saith the word of God, then you have the devil on the run. He doesn't want you to learn that. He doesn't want you to learn that. So the Corinthians had this problem. So he says to them, and listen what he says in verse 7. It's verse 6, he says, so we urge Titus, your minister, as he has begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, he says, you abound in faith and speech and knowledge and diligence and your, your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. You have all these things going for you, but what you also need, you also need how to be able to trust God also in your finances. And then he says, I speak not by command, but I'm testifying sincerely of your love by the diligence of others. If you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty may become rich. And he brings out how Jesus sacrificed. And in this I give my advice. It says, it is to your advantage. You hear what he says? It is to your advantage, not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now, he says, 
you also must complete the doing of it. You hear that? He says, you started a year ago, you made a pledge, but now you need to complete it. That as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what one does not have. And then it says over here in verse 15, it is written, He who gathereth much and nothing left over, and he who gathereth little has nothing lack. Amen. So then, what he's over here bringing out, the Apostle Paul is saying, and this is a message for us this morning, what you began, you began. What does it say up there? Say it with me. We could what? We could do all things through Christ. We are going to, this project is going to take us into another spiritual dimension. This is going to take us higher. When we see this thing come out, and we're able to see the balcony, and the construction of the balcony, and we're able to finish and complete the project, is taking us higher into a higher realm within the spirit that we're able to say, my God has supplied. We have faith in God. But it has to cost us something. We must be willing to sacrifice because without sacrifice, there isn't, God takes, takes and it, it makes an evaluation of it. It doesn't hurt without sacrifice. Then last of all, so God evaluates our motives, our capacity, the spirit in which we give. And then the last principle, and we're going to conclude with this, that we find in the story that I've been sharing with you about the widow's might. We learn one more principle from the story that our giving does not go unappreciated. You hear that? You know, God appreciates it. Don't think for a moment he doesn't appreciate it. He appre it does not go unappreciated. The widow came to the temple to worship and gave all she had. She didn't realize that she would be recorded in history for giving her humble little gift to God. Little did she realize that God was looking and God was watching, observing. And little did she realize that she was going to be recorded in history for a humble gift that she gave to God. Very likely she didn't think God would even notice her gift. But Jesus honored her, her gift, by recording it in the gospel story, making a model through all the centuries to come. Because she gave to God, sacrificially, an expression of her love for God. Now this morning, do you love God? Then if you love God, you must love his church. If you love God, you must love his plan, divine plan that he has for his church. And I want to close with uh, a, little, a little poem that I have here, and I want you to listen to the words of it. It's entitled, We Can't Give. And maybe you find yourself, maybe this could be you. It could very well be your poem and penned by your hand. It says we can't give. Listen to it. My pledge for the church is do you say, I really like to give. But prices are so high today, it's all we have to live. A brand new car we had to buy, the income taxes due. The television set was high, we want new carpets too.
I wish I could afford to share, but ask the folk next door, ask my neighbor right here. They surely know they ought to share. They've all, they have all they need and more. How many people say, let the other guy do it? How many people say that? Why, I can't, and we put so many can'ts and excuses why we can't give to God. And God wants us to learn that we can take that word out of your vocabulary, can't, and say, we can, I can, by the grace of God, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So this morning you say, is it going to get done? Yes, it's going to get done. You know why? Because we have a powerful God. Powerful God. And as your pastor, what I want to see take place, the reason why I preach this, it's not because of finances. Not the money. It's not the, you know, God could give it. My trust has always been in God. Our trust has always been in God. But I want to see you grow. I want to see you trust God for finances. I want to see you trust God. In fact, I, I'm not going to get no. I'm not going to have no operation. I told my wife Julie, you know, God spoke to me this time and made it very clear. You know what? I got my hand on you. Don't worry about a thing. Just keep on doing what you're doing, and just leave it to me. I take care of business. And man, since I put that behind me, I am feeling fine. They told me over five years ago I need an operation in two months and five years have passed and many of you know it and I'm still kicking and I'm still running and I'm still going forward in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because God is able. We need to put our confidence and trust in God. We need to have faith in God. And when we put our faith in God, it moves the hand of God into action and brings us into the realm of the miraculous. And how many people here are buffeted? How many people here are slipping and, and are fallen and, and sick in body and depressed and suffering from many things? Well, God has all the answers and God has made provision. But we need to stand and step out in faith, putting our trust and confidence in Him. And this morning, I challenge you to turn it over to Jesus. I want you to stand with me right now. I want to come to the piano and the organ. I believe I'm going to keep on pumping faith into this congregation. <laughs> you may start calling me a faith preacher. I'm going to keep on pumping faith here until we see the sick heal, until we begin to see the miraculous evident within our congregation, the manifestation of His Holy Ghost, His Spirit being manifested like never before this morning God wants to elevate your faith and I want those of you this morning listen to me carefully would you be honest before God and this morning you say brother Sonny I need to learn how to put my faith in God you say I've been struggling and somehow I, I'm always my mind is in the natural I want to elevate my mind into the supernatural. I want to trust God. I want to learn how to trust Him. And I'm going to ask you, and maybe you've been buffeted, and maybe your finances have been paralyzed, but you say, from this day on, from this moment on, I'm making a commitment to God. 
I'm going to put him first. I'm going to pay my tithes. I'm going to be faithful with my tithes, first of all. And also, if you've made a pledge, that pledge that I have made, by the grace of God, is going to be paid. And I'm going to trust him. I'm going to stop depending on myself and self-sufficiency, and I'm going to begin to put my trust in God. I want this morning for you to come. As we begin to sing a chorus, have faith in God. I want you to step out and come and stand over here as we sing it. Oh, Step out quickly. Stand right here. Say, I, I want to touch up from God this morning. I want God to touch me. Come on, step out. Oh, Step out and stand over here this morning. The answer Okay, listen. We're going to sing it again. I don't know if you're hearing me, but I, see, I was able to see a lot of hands go up when there were prayer requests. We're not only talking about faith for finances. We're talking faith in, in physical healing, faith in all manner of provision, that we will be able to trust Him this morning, and by faith we will step out and move the hand of God and be able to see the miraculous. I'm going to ask you to come out. Faith for your unsaved loved ones. As we sing it, step out quickly. Faith in God. Oh, have faith in God. Hallelujah. Oh, have faith in God. For he answers. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God. glory to God, hallelujah. Sing it again. Have faith. faith in oh, shaka raba Have faith in God. Oh, have faith in God for he answers. We need to believe God and have faith for salvation. God is able to save you. He's able to set you free. He's able to do what no one... We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. 
Thank you for listening. God bless you.